0: Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods.
1: Hello, welcome to One Hour at a Time. This is Mark Green. I'm standing in for um, Mary today Um, and um, I'm the medical director at Westbridge. At any time, give us a call. We'd love to hear your um, calls and questions. Um, with today with Bill McPhee, who's the CEO and founder of Magpie Publishing, um, which, puts out living with, um, which puts out a magazine, Schizophrenia Magazine, um, which is szmagazine.com. Bill um, is going to be discussing living with schizophrenia today. He's done a lot of advocacy work in the mental health field. Um, and um, his magazine has been very influential and helpful for many people um, with mental illness as well as um, people who treat mental illness. Um, Bill's in himself as wor- uh, on his work as a mental health advocate to those who struggle with schizophrenia, just as he once did himself, um, and Bill travels around North America giving very inspirational talks about how he pulled himself from the depths of depression to become the successful businessman, husband, and father who he is today, um, which can be, um, which can really inspire people to move forward in their own recovery and uh, provide that hope that is so crucial. Um, so, um, Bill, welcome.
2: Hi, thanks, Mark.
1: Thanks for having me. Um, so, Bill, tell us a little bit about your history and how you came to. Um, start magpie publications, but in particular about the struggles that you had.
2: Sure. Well, absolutely. Well, you know, I had a, a great uh, childhood and growing up and different things like that. I lived uh, close to Buffalo, New York and uh, would be in the Niagara River swimming all the time and I really loved the water and, and I actually pursued a career uh, as a commercial diver. So I was a commercial diver in, uh, when I was 19 years old working in the South China Sea. But after a year of that, I I came back and was just basically doing odd things. But um, at the age of 24, I was diagnosed with with schizophrenia. And basically, what schizophrenia is, is uh, there's a lot of misconception. People hear about the Hollywood things and think that it's a split personality or multiple personalities and things like that. But really, schizophrenia actually means split from reality or psychosis. And... um, there's basically three legs to schizophrenia, one that it's, it's genetic, that means there's uh, you know some genes that are off or not working properly, it's uh, biochemicals, there's certain chemicals in the brain such as dopamine and serotonin and different things like that and then as well there's a, a, a third thing, a third leg which is caused from a stressor, a, a stressor that sort of acts as a trigger onto onset and uh, in my case, uh, mental illness ran in my family. My uh, mother was uh, actually uh, was bipolar, but way back then, when I was a little boy, I can remember going to a hospital and waiting to, downstairs in the hospital for my dad to come and visit my mom. And it, we didn't really have a name for it. It was just his mom getting sick again or his mom sick. Because it was really in a closet way back in the 50s. And so what happened is that uh, through that, um, just knowing that mom was sick, um, there they weren't, weren't really giving labels or anything that way. But um, with schizophrenia you have what's called as positive symptoms and negative symptoms. And symptoms of positive symptoms are things like hallucinations, illusions, hearing voices, being paranoid, being delusional, a sort of made up story, uh, or psychosis. Those are positive symptoms because those are the things that are added to your personality that shouldn't be there. And as well with schizophrenia you can have uh, what's known as negative symptoms or deficit symptoms. And these symptoms are things that are lacking from our personality that should be there, and that's things like a lack of motivation, a lack of energy, a lack of drive, uh, emotional bluntness or blandness, a lack of joy, depression could set in, so things like that. So schizophrenia basically has positive and negative symptoms. Um, as well, uh, some of the facts about Skidtrain is that it affects 1% of the population. Uh, one out of every 100 people will have this illness, and it's known as Youth's Greatest Disabler, and the reason for that is because it uh, usually strikes between the ages of, say, 16 and 25. There's always exceptions to that, but it usually hits people when they just begin to socialize or uh, try to find a career and different things like that, and it's really... Uh, amazing at how many people go away to school or, you know, uh, in the first year in college and things like that that have a break. So between uh, uh, the the psychosis, uh, the split from reality, and schizophrenia, that's what it means. Schizophrenia actually means split from reality or psychosis.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so in your case, Bill, um, you were, um, you know, from 16 to 19, certainly you were doing great. You were off in... Uh, South China Seas having quite the life for that age, um, and um, what happened to you that um, you ended up with your diagnosis of schizophrenia?
2: Yes, well, what happened? What happened to me is that I was under a lot of stress. I was in a relationship that uh, that didn't uh, that didn't work out, and uh, that resulted in a child. As a child, and so really, what happened is, I was looking for forgiveness. I was looking for. Uh, you know, answers, and I I suppressed that issue, and it really, um, I didn't tell anybody that I got a girl pregnant, and that was kind of the stressor, and so what I did is I was looking for forgiveness, and I started to actually, uh, dive into theology and what some of the first signs would be that my sleeping pattern started to fall off. I'd wake up at 2, 3 in the morning and and couldn't get back to sleep and I'd read scripture as soon as I woke up and then what I started to he, uh, see in the, my bedroom, that was decorated with barn wood and there'd be knots there and I'd look at these knots and I'd actually see the knots expand and contract. They'd be making faces or I'd see faces in the wood and uh, that was uh, again. That's an pretty illusion. Common, pretty common for people
1: to to do that, actually, with wood. And, and uh, as they're becoming more psychotic, and see those kind of um,
2: faces come
1: through. You've, you've heard that a bunch yourself, from others.
2: Absolutely, yes. In yeah. fact, um, in fact, in the mo- you may have remember recalled a movie called The Beautiful Mind that Russell Crowe was in, yeah. and Ron Howard produced that. Well, remember when John Nash was in. Was in the Pentagon and he was looking at all the code, uh, the letters and the numbers on the on the screen, and they actually became emboldened and blacked out and came off the wall that he kind of seen. And that's the same thing. That was an illusion from that that he was having. And so, because of the chemical balance, you have these things, and paranoia is setting. And the first thing, you know, waking up, uh, experience these things. You don't jump to the conclusion and say, "Oh, Bill, you must be mentally ill." Because you, you think, not knowing a lot about mental illness, that if you were mentally ill, you'd be mentally ill as a child, not at the age of 24. And so that sort of sets in a seed of paranoia. And uh, basically paranoia is the belief that everything that is happening to you and around you, uh, you believe you're the center of the uh, universe and you become very suspicious of things. Um, and, uh, for example, like you remember the paper coming to my home every day and, and I thought I was causing world events as reading the, the newspapers, something that said, you know, uh, Afghan, 25 Afghans killed uh, in the Afghan war and different things like that. I thought I was causing world events by reading scripture and, and uh, being paranoid and different things Were like that. So it is, it is very bizarre, very and it's very real. You think these things are really happening to you. Were you over in Southeast Asia at that time? Oh no, no. At that time, I came home when I was uh, when I was twenty from uh, Southeast Asia. But I was working different jobs, and so this happened when I was when I was twenty-four. I was starting to see these things, and so and for
1: so many people at that age, um, drug use can really be a, a trigger. One of the triggers that really um, bring out some of those perceptual distortions, which and um, paranoia, um, which can and coupled with the sleep disturbances and really fuel the flames of um, burgeoning psychosis. Was that contributing in your case?
2: Well, no, I wasn't on uh, any uh, any street drugs or anything like that. But you're right; that is a, a common thing where where people who are are you know doing pot or you know different street drugs and things like that can act as a as a trigger. But no, uh, I, I didn't uh, do any drugs or, or alcohol or anything. And uh, but my my symptoms came came about anyways. Um, but yeah, and it's a very uh, scary thing when you're. Uh, you know, when you're having these things happen. And so, and what ended up happening is that, uh, I had the sensation that I had to go meet somebody and I didn't know who or where and I ended up walking down the uh, four lane highway across, uh, around the corner from my house and I was walking in front of traffic and, uh, the cars were s- swerving around me and transport trucks were and all kinds of things like that. And, and I didn't want to die. I mean, I, that wasn't a suicide attempt. I had my suicide attempt much later, but during that time, um, i was just following kind of orders that were going in my head and so really that's a point that i make to audiences is that a lot of times uh people with mental illness 50% of people with schizophrenia will commit suicide um, and actually uh or try to commit suicide and- 10% succeed if you call that a success, but when I was out in front of traffic, if I would have been hit by a car or a truck and killed, people would have thought that that was a suicide, but in fact it wasn't, it was just my sick mind that brought me into that situation that would have took my, my life. And, and what's important about that is that people who suffer from, uh, who are people who have lost people through suicide children or siblings uh, can say, well, you know what, maybe that person really didn't want to kill themselves. Maybe it was just the illness that brought them into the situation that took their life.
1: Right, absolutely. And a lot of people feel very invincible at those times. Um, it's, uh, it's not just that they don't want to die. It's also that they can feel very powerful um, and that uh, the cars couldn't possibly hit them.
2: Exactly yeah very very much, so so you know my my and my trek that night it was the coldest night in January, and uh, I ended up uh, being uh, naked underneath the streetlight and uh, the cops picked me up and brought me to the hospital and then they transferred me to a to a uh, a psych ward in and uh, in the hospital and really that uh, that event there was I was you know as well as in successful as I am today with the with s z magazine um, successful I am today, I was very, very ill. I was hospitalized six different times. I lived in three different group homes, and I had a a suicide attempt when I was very depressed. But uh, being in hospital, um, some of the things, I was in hospital different times, and I would be on different medications, and uh, eventually they found a, a medication that worked for me. I was very uh, which brought me totally back into reality. I, I got totally back into reality, and you'd think that I would say, you know, that's great, Bill, that's great, you're back into reality. But the fact was that my reality consisted of that I had lost my job, I had lost my house, I lost my financial security, I lost my friends, uh, and I found out that I was just another one out of a 100 people with this illness as schizophrenia. So even absolutely. though I was back in the reality, my my reality kind of sucked, and that's where the negative or the deficit symptoms come in with this illness. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we are got
1: to stop for a short break, and after that we'll come back talk some more. Thanks.
0: Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
3: Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking.
4: common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's Westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders.
5: Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Listen for The Right Turn with J.J. O'Malley. It's an insider's look at America's fastest-growing motorsports series, the Grand Am Rolex Sports Car Series, presented by Crown Royal cast number 16. You'll hear about what happened last weekend and get a preview of what's coming up next. From the Rolex 24 at Daytona, through Watkins Glen International, Mid-Ohio, Laguna Seca, right up to the championship at Homestead Miami Speedway. The Right Turn with J.J. O'Malley, broadcast live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Power Up Motorsports Channel.
0: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time.
1: Hello, this is Mark Green, standing in for Mary with Bill McPhee, um, CEO and uh, editor as well. Still, Bill, or not?
2: No, just founder and uh, and CEO. CEO. I, you know, I tell people you got to know how to spell if you're the editor, so I I, I can't spell, <laughs> so I'm the publisher. Right. Um, of <laughs> SZ Magazine,
1: um, Schizophrenia Magazine. Bill, before the break, we we're talking about um, some of the darker times of your, of your illness and. That, they went on for a long period of time, by the sound of things.
2: Yes, absolutely. I was actually uh, five years. I spent five years on the couch uh, doing nothing. I was very uh, lethargic, very just uh, just existing. I had no life whatsoever. I, I I really didn't do a lot of things, and I was literally five years on my parents' couch. Uh, just not doing anything and uh, I used to say I can remember saying to myself if things don't change they're going to stay the same they're going to stay the same and so many people find that like some people uh, you know two years turns into four years and four years turns into seven years and seven years turns into ten years and I was so very uh, so very scared that uh, my life would never improve and so it's kind of funny when When you're in that state, you think of all the negative things going through your head. And I can remember what a teacher said, a grade 7 teacher said to me, and she said, you know, Bill, if you don't learn how to write properly in life, you'll never amount to anything. And what she meant about that was my penmanship. I had very poor penmanship. Um, And what happened is that uh, I... I had this going through my mind all the time, so I said, "You know what? I'm going to do something about that." So I phoned the uh, I phoned the uh, local literacy foundation, and I said, "Listen, I know how to read and I know how to write, but I want to improve my penmanship. Can you send somebody over?" And this is where the turnaround point in my life came about because after a couple of weeks, I got a phone call from a lady. Her name was Martha Mason, and uh, Martha was a volunteer at the literacy foundation, and she was also a, uh, going to Niagara College for social work, and she she was involved in the community. And Martha would come over every two weeks and we'd do ac- penmanship exercises. And I, I would be just dreading the day that came because, you know, I'd say oh my God, Martha's coming tonight, that means I've got to wash my hair and brush my teeth and shave and all these things because with negative symptoms, the deficit symptoms, keeping up hygiene and things like that are very, very difficult.
1: So difficult and so the disorganization can add to that and
2: yeah, very troubling. Absolutely, so so Martha came over, and before too long, Martha learned more about schizophrenia from me than I did feminineship from her, but you know Martha took an interest in me, and she said she said, "You know bill, she said I take a call a course at the college you know I can my license was suspended at the time she said, bill, why don 't you pick a course and i 'll drive you so I took a, uh, I signed up for a photography course, and I would go uh, do the darkroom stuff and the field trips, I bought a camera and different things like that. And, uh, you know, just going through the motions, I found no joy in that. I still had that emotional blandness, that lack of joy. And so what happened is that uh, eventually Martha called again, and Martha said, Bill, she says, you know, I'm the uh, group chairperson of the seventh group of Cubs, Beavers, and and uh, scouts and we need a treasurer how would you like to be our treasurer and I thought oh my god that means that there's another night I gotta wash my hair and brush my teeth and shave and all that but you know I went to the meeting and that was a real turnaround because what happened is that I met Martha's husband, uh, I met her children, uh, I met Peter, who eventually I started playing racquetball and squash with. I started to help out with Apple Day and Cub Car and Camp Outs and things like that, and really what it did is it gave me a whole new social network of people who accepted me for who I was and not what I had. So now I have this problem that I, ha- I now have friends now, and I kind of have a semi-life, but I'm not working or anything, and I thought that the next point would be to try to find Find, try to find a job or uh, try to find, uh, you know, some, some kind of a spark to, to get me off the couch sort of thing. And uh, really what happened is I, I tried to do a lot of different businesses. Uh, uh, I tried to start a landscape, landscape business. I tried to do uh, fix small engines. Uh, I took a sociology course, uh, different things. And, and they just didn't work out. They just didn't uh, happen uh, to to work out, but I knew I had to create a spark to improve the quality of my life. Um, So in creating that spark, what happened is that um, I would go to different things. I'd look in the community newspaper, and if there were, uh, you know, travel logs going on, I'd go and visit visit somebody and watch their travel log, or uh, if somebody was... uh, uh, you know, a new club was starting up on something, I would join it. or, or And I got interested in politics, and actually politics uh, were held at the library at the time. And what I did is I uh, found a book. I went early and I found a book in the library called 101 Ways of How to Start a Business with Little or No Capital. And I said, that's me. I have no capital. <laughs> but in one of the scenarios there, there was a woman who, who, uh, who, before VCRs came out, she watched three television stations and she watched the soap operas and started a newsletter on what was happening in the soap operas and selling it to her working friends. When I read that, a light bulb came on and I said, probably can't do a newsletter on the soap operas, but I could probably do something on schizophrenia. And from that idea, that was the the seed or the, the birth of an idea that
1: launched me into my business. That's a fantastic story, Bill. There's a couple of really wonderful points in there. One is just the magic of a relationship, um, that one special person can call up um, a whole creative hopefulness in oneself. You know, for you, Martha um, tapped into, you mentioned that teacher way back when who would um, sort of encourage you but you needed to work on something. And then Martha came along and really respected you as a human being and went the extra mile Um, to um, help you um, meet some goals because she valued you as a human. You really felt that and uh, slowly but surely um, were able to come out of yourself and make a
2: new circle of friends and try out different identities. Absolutely. Absolutely, Mark. I, I really see that as my turning point with when yeah. Martha got involved. But then, you know, I, I still went through a depression, and that. But uh, you know, people are just looking for excitement in their life, something good to to happen. But again, you know, that was one of the the key to success. The other key to success uh, was was medication. Um, when I uh, was first diagnosed, uh, I was put on different medications and. And, uh, you know, I was first on a medication that made me very zombie-like, very slow motion. And, if I can, I'd just like to take you a little explanation of the history of medication with antipsychotics, and the fact is is that way back in the, in the 50s in that uh, people used to be institutionalized in huge, huge institutions that they would, if they had a mental illness, they'd be put in an institution for life. Uh, they would never be expected to come out. But what happened is that these patients would come down with physical illnesses, whether they needed their appendix out or some kind of minor surgery. So when they, they were under anesthesia, uh, uh, under the sleeping gas, coming out of the operation they noticed that people their symptoms subsided so what ha- that happened in the 50s is that trend it's translated to some medications being being made and developed, but the problem was is that they were all developed in the tranquilizing family. They, that's why we see in the movies and we see if we go to an institution or people who have been on older medication for a long time, they're kind of slow motion, stiff, zombie-like, because these medications were made out of the tranquilizing family. Since... 1994, we've had newer and better medication known as atypical medications that uh, work on a different system than the tranquilizing family. So today medications are are basically um, a lot better, but we still have a major problem, and one of the major problems is that people. Who are on medication get feeling well, but they get feeling well and they say, "Well, I guess I don't need my medication." Eighty percent of people will go off their medication, and I was one of them. Um, when I was when I was going through my ordeal, um, I can remember saying, "Saying, you know, do I really need this medication? Was this illness a fluke, or do I really have it? Am I really sick?" And uh, what happened is that I, by some miracle of God, I got a job uh, away in Woodstock, and I got um i got a i rented a room off a landlady and, and and worked and i went off my medication but within 6 months time so within 6 months um, I, I quit my job. I was throwing the furniture around my landlady's house, turning it over. I spit in her TV. I was walking the streets, getting beat up. I was banging on doors. I was walking over cars, and so then I ended up back in hospital, and they started me on an injectable medication. And and the fact is, is that um, you know. I needed to try that, and I did go off my medication, but I know now that if I want to stay in reality, then I need to be taking my medication, and to my question is, my answer to that, sure, I may have some side effects and different things from my medication, but is it worth uh you know, having my mind trick myself again and going into a psychosis. And and I live a very good quality of life today. I'm married. I have three children. I have a a good business and a good social life. And, and, uh, you know, am I going to bear with these side effects? And the answer is yes, because the quality of my life is very good. Yes.
1: And it's so common that people do stop their medications, as you say. Now, for you, it was because you felt better on them or... Um, or you are having intolerable
2: side effects, some combination of the two. Well, I think that the reason that I, I really went off my medication is I was having side effects, but I, I wanted to know: Do I really need this illness? You know, is, is did did I have this? Because that's one of the main problems as well with with uh, with mental illness, especially with schizophrenia and bipolar, and, and that is that uh, the, the the symptoms when we are in a psychosis, they're so real to us that what we've gone through is so real. Our delusions and and things like that are so real. Um, that we think, you know, is, you know, can this really be happening? And so for me, I wanted to know, you, you know, maybe this was just a one-time thing that I got ill and I was sick and maybe I could do without medication, but, you know, soon I went off and in six months' time I, I relapsed, so I knew that I, I need this.
1: And so, yeah, that's right. So, so for you, you were really sort of experimenting. Is it something that you need? Or is the, they're so insidious the way that the symptoms come back and they feel so compelling from the inside.
2: Yes, yeah. and it tricks your mind. They they really trick. I mean, you know, the, again in that movie A Beautiful Mind, remember when Russell Crowe was was in in the psych ward and his wife came to see him and he was telling her about the conspiracy and about the code and the master plan and all that. And that's really true. That's that's we he really believed that you know that the government he was a a whatever. He was working for the government, cracking code and all that. And and, and that's what he really believed. And, and that's what this illness is like. And so, you know, I, I think we need to make a point. And, and, you know, when people talk about medication and the rate right to be treated and different things like that, it's very important to realize that mental illness is a lot different than physical illness. When when you have a physical, physical illness, when, you're, when you break your arm and you have a bone protruding from your arm, from your flesh, and there's blood all around, your brain tells you, oh, my arm is hurt. Uh, I need to get a doctor and get it fixed. But when our mind is sick, you know, our brain doesn't tell us that our mind is sick and get to the doctor. We, it makes up all other kinds of reasons. That's a
1: great that's a great description, really, of, uh, of the problems with insight that are, can occur um, with schizophrenia and psychotic disorders. They feel so compelling, and you don't notice, you don't see that there's huge problems well you might see the huge problems but that there's something wrong with the way of thinking because it's affecting that whole apparatus itself that's what you're perceiving the world with and it's telling you that perception is correct um, so for you eventually after multiple medication trials and relapses you found something you, you said I can't put myself through this anymore I'm going to commit to taking medications and and uh, albeit with some of the very difficult side effects that people have to face, sometimes with uh,
2: antipsychotics. Yeah, that's right. I, I knew I, I needed to stay on my medications, and they didn't trust me to take medication, so they started me off uh, with an injectable, and I get an injectable every four weeks, and uh, um, like clockwork, and I go, I get that uh, on a regular basis, and I also take. Uh, Excuse me. I take uh, medication for the side effects of that. If I, if uh, some of the side effects of my medication um, is that I get blurred vision or I get uh, some weight gain, um, but I do know that um, it's very important to to stay on it. So yeah, and I, I think
1: it's important to say that the um, injectables um, are often for older medications, which. Um, have been counted as having more, some more difficult side effects, but if you find something that works and it provides you such an element of freedom and creativity, then eventually you say, you know, this is, I've got to, got to put up with this. It's not, not something I signed up for, not something I'm glad, grateful for, but it's something which enables me to really fulfill my life. We've got to come back after a short break.
0: Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
3: The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with Great Spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network.
5: At last, a radio program dedicated to helping women look fabulous and feel fabulous naturally. You'll pick up tips on natural detox, learn about the benefits of whole foods, practice stress and relaxation techniques, and learn more about health, relationships, remedies, and self-motivation. Tune in to Feel and Look Fabulous with ARENA, broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We promise you, it's women's time well spent. This is an important programming note from the Voice America Women's Channel. The Catherine Zox Show is moving. Our new address is Voice
0: America, and we will be heard on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, starting Wednesday, November 19th. All of the archives will still be available through Catherine's Boombox Player. Remember, tune in to the Catherine Zox Show on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, beginning on Wednesday, November 19th, on Voice America's flagship Voice America channel.
1: Hello, um, this is Mark Green, medical director at Westbridge, with Bill McFee. Hey, Bill. Um, Bill's the uh, CEO and founder of uh, SC Magazine, and talking to us about his experience with mental illness and how he um, has moved forward in his recovery. We touched on medication issues and the challenges with sticking on medications, and um, some decisions that he came to, to to commit himself to medications and some of the rewards he's got. He talks about the importance of some um wonderfully warm and um generous people in his life who introduced him, took him out of his shell and uh brought you um to uh some more friends and helped ignite that creative spark. Um, in the break Bill you were saying, you know, I really want to convey something of the the, the misery and the negative symptoms of uh that can affect um, people with psychotic illnesses too. Um, so tell us more about that.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of times people will say that, you know, the negative symptoms of schizophrenia or the deficit symptoms, things like lack of motivation, lack of energy, uh, emotional bluntness, the the blandness, the boredom, things like that, the depression, are, are, are debilitating even more than, say, the positive symptoms of hearing voices and different things like that. It's important to realize that, that with the negative symptoms, these are real symptoms. And I think that people with mental illness, we, we sort of easy to look at them and say, oh, well, you're just lazy or you don't want to do anything or you're not trying. And that's a very difficult. With this illness, these are very real symptoms. I mean, I can remember I would go to bed like at 6 o'clock at night and I would just lay lay in bed, bed till 11 the next morning and and I would wake up and just sort of make it to the top of the stairs and I'd put my my head in my hands and my elbows on my knees and I had, you know, a void, an emptiness, a, a hollow spot in my in my gut, a vacuum. And people would look up and then say, Well, you know, well maybe you know, maybe you just need a kick in the rear or they'd say, you know, snap out of it or something right. they'd say, right. you know, you're not trying, you're not trying. And and these are kind of what the negative symptoms bring. And I gotta tell you that a lot of times one common denominator that people with mental illness that we have, uh, when we're going through our, uh, our worst times is that we have a lack of self-esteem and a lack of confidence. And, and those are really lacking. I can remember, uh, you know, I can remember uh, an architect uh who I was at a meeting and there's an architect who had schizophrenia and he was gave a talk and uh, a question came from the audience and they said, "Did you know that you'd beat this illness and And the person said, "Yes, I knew I'd beat it because I was too smart for it." Well, I heard that, and I said, Well, bill, you're not smart enough to beat this illness that's you know you, you just you'll you'll you know you can't do it, everybody else can, but you can't and can you imagine you know that's what the poor La- self-esteem and lack of self-esteem does not and, and with the confidence I mean uh, well, bas- It's such
1: a silly thing to say isn't it um, Yeah, you can beat it if you're smart enough if only it was that simple that you could think yourself out of it um, exactly. these, are, these are huge crises of where people are in their life massive biochemical abnormalities and changes in the in, um, entire way that we see ourselves in the world um, and uh people struggle for so long who have all the full range of intelligences. Um, and as you said, you know, it took so much more than just thinking it through. I'm sure you had plenty of time to be thinking on that couch for five years.
2: Oh, well, I'll tell you, and just an example of that, I mean, you know, my, my brother, he was, uh and then maybe I can segue into the, the family support aspect of it, uh, but uh, my brother couldn't believe that, you know, I, w- I would be on the couch for five years just laying there while well, when the snow fell and my mother would be out shoveling and, and I'm there laying on the couch. Or you couldn't understand, well, why didn't you go to the gym and, and work out every day and become an, an uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger rather than laying on the couch. But they just don't understand. You just can. It's just not there. It's not there. And and segueing into that is that, you know, I was very fortunate where my my, my family was very supportive. I always had a place to stay uh... my dad would drive me you know a half hour ride to to group therapy, to my doctor appointments, my father did all the paperwork that had to be done for you know getting getting social assistance and uh, all kinds of things like that. Going into different group homes, so you know, really, a lot of times, people who do well with this illness has has the backing of the family, and, and I really think that you know the laws and 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 the the system isn't set up for the family to help, and I think that's one of the major problems with the system is that, you know, these parents, uh, they want to help, but they're told, well, because of confidentiality or they call, you know, different things like that, where really they're just trying to help. And I think that, you know, the homeless problem that we have or the people on the street, it's uh, fallen through the cracks of the system, and these families don't want people out on the street. But the system through the w- hard of getting treatment and different things like that—that that ended up to be the, to be the result. And so, you know, I, I think if, they're, if we can really focus on the families and try to help them understand, or, or try to ha- get the system changed and realize that families are just doing their best and they, wanna help, they, wanna, you know, they want to help—they don't want to, you know—they want their best for their children.
1: And, um, well, we at Westbridge couldn't agree with you more about that, and work very hard um, to help the families and. It doesn't take much. It's often a, um, some education, um, supporting them with the um, emotional turmoil that they experience, um, dealing with someone who's suffering a terribly, uh, a, a very significant illness, and um, a, and just a short living in a vacuum of information, knowing how to help, how not to help. People often come down on um, simplistic notions like, um, giving them a kick up the behind. You know? Yeah, and <laughs> that you know what? That's, that,
2: that's going to help. Yeah. You, know, you have know, to be tough or something. It's, yeah, yeah. Is it, it's you know, in the in the movie A Beautiful Mind, one of the best scenes in that movie was where Russell Crowe's wife was was in the bathroom and she was breaking down crying in that and that. And she picked up the glass and she whipped it and threw it at the mirror and it all shattered and fell and she started broke down and crying. Because these are the real emotions. This is what family members go through. This is what the families go through the and, and trying to get their people help and, and, and things like that. So I tell people, you know what, if there's a little violence in, in the house or, or your, your son or something puts their fist through the wall, don't be ashamed of that. It's just a part of the, the illness. It's a part of the, the, the social dynamics and the family dynamics because what happens really when you're dealing with people who are mentally ill logic doesn't work and it's so hard to we want to argue or we want to talk or we want to rationalize in logic but when we're in a psychosis or split from reality or out of reality it doesn't make, logic doesn't make sense and so that's where you get that that that, uh, that, that difficulty there but you know families really go, go through a lot and one of the things that we find with the magazine and I think that's a, a key thing that people realize is that when they are come to grips with, oh, my son or daughter really has this illness, schizophrenia, they think they're the only ones in the world that this has happened to. They really don't really uh, understand that, that one out of a 100 people, and, and you talk to anybody uh, on the street or bring up mental illness, and everybody will have an uncle or an aunt or a brother or a sister or, or somebody who knows somebody with mental illness. One One out of five people will have a mental illness, but it's just not... Uh, talked about and it's not talked about and it's definitely not uh uh because of the stigma and stigma is a huge uh, huge problem that's right absolutely and you know you
1: were saying before that uh, for the for the individual um who's in this situation there's a lot of these negative symptoms the apathy the withdrawal the difficulties with just logical thinking and planning um that just contribute to that isolation and um, inability to translate wish into action, problems with those motivation, um, that to the outside looks like laziness or um, unfathomable and people just react to it with anger um, rather than understanding.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny, uh, Mark. When I... uh, when I go to conferences and, and speak or hear other speakers than that, I, I can remember a, a doctor saying, you know, I get more and more people coming up to me asking me, I, I want to be put on antidepressants or I need some antidepressants, when their problem is, he says, you know what, their problem is not that they have depression. They're not living with depression. They're living in despair. They're living with, you know, hardly basic shelter, uh, no income, uh, not proper nutritious meals. Uh, no friends, uh, no job, uh, different things, and so there 's a difference between depression and despair and I think it with with people with with mental illness or schizophrenia, one of the hardest treat, uh, treated schizophrenia uh, these are the things that that happen is that we really don 't you know we' people are living in despair they 're not depressed that 's right that 's right and and often a connection
1: with someone caring for you is Martha, um, for many it's going to be their family members um, being supported to be able to reach out with that hope it can be enough to really help people out to begin that process of emerging from that despair. Um, sounds like we've come up for another break. We'll uh, come back in a moment.
4: fashion common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders.
3: Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking.
5: views, different topics, questions, answers, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is Mark. I'm standing in for Mary uh, with um, with Bill McPhee. Bill, tell us a little bit about SC Magazine, which you uh, founded, and um, and uh, it's a great magazine. We have it at Westbridge, and um, I read it myself. So um, tell us a little bit about what your goals were. And
2: yeah, uh, sure, Mark. Um, yeah, and people can go to uh, SZMagazine.com dot com for on the internet. But yeah, basically, I was. Uh, uh... in the library one day and i i was uh, reading a book called 101 ways how to start a business with little or no no uh... capital and i said that's me i have no capital and one of the scenarios in the book was basically uh... where a woman before uh... vcrs were invented to uh, watch three separate television stations watching the soap operas and decided to do her, uh, a newsletter on the soap operas Well, i came on and i was uh... this was in 1993 uh, in 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 Canada, and I was diagnosed in eighty seven so I guess uh you know um, six years later, I was working on the plan and then i I wanted to get a support for that was the idea is to create a support group on paper basically for people with schizophrenia and uh, today it basically grew into uh, a full fledged uh, uh, big production, and uh, we have uh, offices in Canada where we we publish a Canadian version, and then just four years ago we launched uh, SZ in the United States. Uh, we have a uh, in the U.S. as well, and uh, really we we have uh, feature stories in the magazine, different things like uh, that cover medication. We have different cover stories uh, in our current issue. We have. Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, Husaini Manji, who is a expert in uh, with long actables, he's uh, contributed to that. We have different uh, topics. For example, there's an article on mental health first aid. Where it was founded in Australia in 2001, and is now reaching out North America. New, uh, it's called mental health first aid. We have research in the magazine. We try to do the updated research, and then we also have an electronic newsletter that goes out uh, on a regular basis. That Sort it fills in between the issues. So if there are new research or different studies, different things like that, that it's available, people can sign up for, for that uh, easy, and then that's free. Um, we have things like, uh, you know, um, uh, we have a, a first person where somebody with the illness will actually uh, um, write their story or talk a little bit from a point of view. And then we have other articles where we do success stories of people who are doing well with this illness uh we have some recipes in in the uh in the magazine it's a full-fledged uh, uh thick magazine glossy full color very professional we we try not to uh, we try to give a uh, uh, a good impression uh, you know so many times people with with mental illness and our associations they'll have newsletters and things like that and they're cheaply done or they're very done on a very low budget and we want to put out a quality magazine we want to put something out glossy and something that that gives people uh the the understanding that yes uh, it, it's a quality magazine and I yeah, think what it does good, it gives true. people that's it legitimately gives people that people see the magazine and say wow this is a magazine on schizophrenia that this really must be a real illness or it must be really you know and I think that's what it does yeah it presents a it, it, it presents itself with esteem you know and
1: and self confidence um, and you, there's too few images traditionally. Um, of self confidence and hopefulness um, in uh, in the schizophrenia realm in clinics, and um, I think that attitude um, has really perv- is continuing to pervade treatment and uh, through, usually through peer um, and consumer based programs.
2: Absolutely, yeah, and and we found, you know, one thing we found uh, is that people love poetry, and we get all kinds of poetry submissions and things like that. We don't, we don't publish the poetry in the magazine, but we do put it on our website. We have, uh, we encourage people to share their poetry and put it on our website and different things like that. And so, um, but we really try to uh, make it a support group. We try to make it as practical as, as. is that really the the people who really subscribe the most are are caregivers uh, caregivers who are looking after son or daughter or 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 that but we do have a lot number of people with schizophrenia who who do read it and and uh, find it uh, very helpful um, but uh, yeah we it's good for social workers people who really want to get in the mind of what's going on with people I mean in previous issues we had uh, uh, an issue on. Uh, Hearing voices, what it's like to hear voices. Uh, I think in our upcoming uh, fall issue, um, we're going to be talking about um, paranoia, what exactly uh, paranoia is, how it feels, how, and, and different things like that. So we, we really have a lot that covers uh, a lot in the magazine.
1: Yeah. Um, and um, and what direction do you see um, either the magazine or perhaps the, the work with schizophrenia, Um, going in in the future.
2: Well, I think what we want to do. Our goal is to try to get uh, this in the hands of everybody who who needs it. I, I mean, we want to become uh, we want to become a real helpful resource. We want to make people feel a part of the magazine. We want them to um, really find benefit out of it. We we talk about on on the cover. We have a, a slogan that we says your partner in mental wellness, and that's what we really want to do. We want to be people's partner in mental wellness, and not only just physical wellness or spiritual wellness or or mental wellness. We want to do talk about total care and uh, really put uh, uh, an emphasis on total care. And, and what practical ways? How can we help? And how can people get engaged? And and maybe we can help people uh, uh, if it's just uh, giving them some hope. And I think really that's that's what people need um, when they're discouraged or when they're you know the hard thing up against a stone in a hard place. Uh, we want to give hope and courage.
1: Right, and that that total care, that participation and and partnership in total care um, extends to many areas. You have talked about creative aspects, including poetry, you talked about recipes, and um, you mentioned, you know, your brother said you should go and exercise, but I I know that prior issues have focused on the importance of exercise, and it's really trying to help people look at so many aspects of just feeling better. healthier, right?
2: Absolutely, and what it is it's all about quality of life. we want to improve people's quality of life because you know when i oh, that that's basically when I was very ill, I had a poor quality of life, and i I had a good quality of life in the past, and I wanted that back and uh, and so that's kind of and I think that everybody who at these at one time or another i mean we hear so stories I hear so many stories of how brilliant and how successful people were until they were hit with a mental illness and and uh, they had creativity and just genius geniuses and, and uh, you know we want to try to uh, uh, help people with their losses and get them on the right track.
1: Yeah well you know we've come to the end of the show but Bill your your magazine really does convey that and um, your interview conveys that as you know we remembered in the first segment hearing how um, dark your and difficult your life was for many years. It really sounds as if you've um, turned things around and are very enthusiastic and active and um, satisfied with your life at the moment? I'm sure it's not all a bed of roses all the time, but um, you know, I congratulate you on your on your your life and well, the work that you're doing.
2: Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. And uh, you know, for your listeners, just go to uh, szmagazine.com. They can learn more and and sign up um, to receive the journal. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Bye bye, Mark.
0: you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion, one hour at a time. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought
3: to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.